Hi, everyone. This is Greg Harton with the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm the editorial page editor, and Rusty Turner is with us. He is the editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and we have the privilege today to be joined by Charlene Fite, who is the state uh, Republican state representative for District 80, and uh, she first took office in 2013 and about to wrap up her fourth term, and she is uh, asking the voters on November 3rd to send her back uh, down to the state capitol in Little Rock to uh, represent their interest. She's a retired school psychology specialist and uh, has been doing the lawmaker thing for uh, a little while. And uh, uh, would you just mind starting us off by giving us a, a basic description of District 80, uh, kind of the ge geographic boundaries of that? Well, good morning. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I'm excited to be able to talk to people about my district because I'm very proud of it. District 80 encompasses Western Washington County and Northwestern Crawford County. It's one of the most rural districts in the state of Arkansas. Uh, I have researched pretty carefully and I have only found two stoplights in the district. Lots of stop signs, but only two stoplights. Uh, we go right through the National Forest. So it's a very large district and um, one of the most beautiful in the state. I think uh, you may have, uh, hopefully I don't have the boundaries wrong, but uh, I think you may have a telephone booth. Uh, we do on the yeah. National Registry of Historic Places. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're in, Grove. in Grove, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, uh, I appreciate that description. I, 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 yeah, it's a, I think sometimes people forget, uh, um, you know, because it's, it's, Crawford and, and all that, that how much of Washington County is part of that. It's, uh, it's quite a big, uh, big piece. It is. Uh, well, thanks for being here today. I, you know, just to kind of kick us off, if you don't mind giving us a basic uh, idea of what it is that you would like a, a second term or second term, another term uh, to uh, give you a chance to accomplish what you feel like you've done uh, in, in your service uh, thus far to, that, that would recommend to voters that, that you should go back for another term? Well, thank you for that question. I've had your endorsement for three terms and would like your endorsement again. Uh, last time I had a three-party race, um, myself, Democrat, Libertarian, and received your endorsement. And I believe that I have earned it even more this time because of my hard work and my commitment. It's, it's hard to campaign during a, a pandemic. None of us have ever done this before, fortunately. But I have worked very hard to um, update people every day that the governor has given um, a press conference Sorry. about COVID-19. Uh, I'm very active on social media. Uh, that I found that's one of the quickest and easiest ways to get out information to people. And so I put out a, a daily COVID-19 update. And may I thank the governor? Thank you for the interpreter. We all love Eddie and have been excited to watch Eddie give updates to our deaf friends every day. Uh, I am chairman, uh, I think you already said that, of the Committee on Aging, Children and Youth, Military Affairs, very active committee. I have been that for two terms, so therefore I'm on the um, speaker's leadership team. Um, 
have a lot of work that I am already in the process of doing for various uh, groups, organizations, state agencies, working on legislation concerning domestic violence. It's going to be a pretty major piece of legislation, doing a lot of meetings on the side on that issue. Uh, working on things for the Association of the Deaf that they have asked me to bring forward next term, working on some public safety issues with one of our local police departments that they feel would be in the public interest to make some changes, um, working on some foster care issues, as I always do. We had a meeting yesterday where we uh, discussed some changes that need to be made, some in the law and some just in procedures. And uh, just love the people of this district. It's an honor to represent them. So I am hoping that they will give me the opportunity to continue my work for two more years. Could you uh, give us an idea when you say you're working on some different things in those subject areas, what, what it is that people can expect? Because uh, 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 obviously you, you, you need their votes on November 3rd. Um, so give them a sense of what, what kind of representation they'll see from you in the next term and, and those specific issues you're talking about, what, what, are the, what are the kinds of changes you're talking about? With the domestic violence issues, they really want to do a rollout of that. So they have asked me to kind of hold back on discussing the details of their legislation because as a lot of organizations do, they want to have a, a rally and invite people in and have balloons and all that and, and talk about what they're uh, planning. So I'm kind of needing to hold back on discussing specifics of that one. But with the police department, this is an issue involving headlights and uh, safety of when it gets dark and headlights come on, that kind of thing. Some of these seemingly small issues can actually have a big impact on someone's life when you're the person that needed those headlights to be on. Um, with foster care, we're even looking at some language that needs to be changed, such as yesterday, we talked about using the term family time rather than visitation with foster care children, which language has meaning. And that gives a whole different feeling to what we're doing. The parents are not visiting the child, they're having family time with the child. So issues of that nature that are brought forward, it's always my pleasure to look at those and make changes where we need to make things better for the citizens of Arkansas. Uh, just to get a little specificity on the, on the headlight thing, uh, you're saying that there needs to be legislation affecting headlights? There already is legislation affecting headlights. Okay. And it needs to be cleaned up and made more clear. Okay. which is often the case. When we go in and make a change in law, sometimes it's just one word or two words. It's just to make things more clear where it's a murky area. Are, are we specifically talking about the law that requires headlights to be on when windshield wipers are going? Is that the, is that the law we're talking about? We're talking about when it's dark. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of um, murky right now. When is it dark? 30 minutes before dark, well, who knows when that's going to be unless you're looking specifically at the weather forecast and all that. So we're just hoping to make it more clear. Most cars now, the headlights automatically come on. Some still don't. So the police department has talked to me about just making that more clear in our legislation. And it would not be a new law. It would be a, 
a cleanup of some existing legislation. Okay. Um, All right. Go ahead, Rusty. Okay. Um, I was going to uh, ask you from your perspective as a as a as an educator. Um, specifically, how has the state done in in uh, restarting schools within the pandemic? What's your observation there, and how is it doing? Uh, and then I'm going to ask a more general question about how the state's doing. Uh, uh, okay. But I, I want to start with the education piece. So. Okay. Well, I talked to Prairie Grove and Lincoln School Superintendents yesterday, and they both said that it's going well. It's been difficult. It's very, very challenging. I cannot even imagine what those teachers are going through with being able to be in person, most of them, and then also doing virtual learning uh, like we're doing right now with the computer, making all the plans. My sister-in-law teaches in Fort Smith, and we talk about this a lot. She said it's just very challenging. Teachers are very, very tired, being sure that the cleaning is all done properly, that the kids are getting what they need, and that the kids are maintaining social distance. So I know it's been a super challenging time, but what I am seeing from the school superintendents and from the teachers I'm talking to, it is actually going well, better than we had even anticipated. Um, and, and just in general, the state's response to the pandemic, how have you been pleased? What's your evaluation of that? And, uh, and what, if anything, would you have liked to have seen done differently uh, so far in the, uh, uh, in the state's response? It's a balance. The governor has had, the governor and Department of uh, Health have had to balance the economic needs of the state with the health needs of the state. I don't envy them that position. I think by and large, the governor has done an excellent job. Uh, I know that uh, he had a lot of pressure on him and I believe that he has kept that balance well between the health of our people and the economic interest of our state. Okay. Um, some of your colleagues uh, have, have expressed their displeasure um, with uh, some of the directives from the health department, the, the continuing nature of the state of emergency and they've expressed that in a lawsuit. Um, so what's your take on that lawsuit? Is that, is that something you support? Is that something you're, you know, just tell me what, what your opinion is of that. I have not chosen to join in that. I do not feel that it's appropriate at this time. I think that there, there are changes that need to be made with the emergency orders, the emergency powers that we have given to the governor. That needs to be done in a regular session, not via a lawsuit, not via a special session. We'll be going into a regular session in January. If we need to make any changes, that's the time we need to do it when we have the proper time to vet everything, discuss it, look at all of it. Mm -hmm. and, and have you made a determination or made a, uh, uh, a, do you think there are any changes that be, need to be made in the process as it stands? Are you, uh, are you happy with the way it is? I would have to look at specifically what's brought forward. I've heard a lot of discussion, a lot of different timetables. So I wouldn't want to say until I see the final product and what it's going to be and the, the timetable that we're looking at, we may need to shorten that and say the legislature needs to have more involvement. The legislature needs to come in if it's over a certain period of days of the emergency order. I would uh, be glad to look at that. But until I see exactly what we're talking about, I'm going to reserve judgment on that. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, 
while we've been dealing with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic across the state, uh, across the country and across the state, we've also been dealing with a lot of uh, uh, instances that, that reflect you know, challenges within the realm of race relations and, and uh, uh, the, uh, how that plays out with law enforcement. Um, give me a sense of, of where you kind of your evaluation of, of what's happened over the last several months and, and uh, whether you feel like uh, the state legislature needs to do anything, uh, what, what the role would be for the state legislature in uh, trying to address some of the concerns that are brought up about race relations. I may have a little different perspective because I lived for eight years in Taiwan, Republic of China, where I was in the minority. So I, I have a little sense of how that feels, although it's a whole different situation than we're talking about here. I think we need to be very sensitive to what people are experiencing and what people are feeling. We need to be careful to listen. We need to do what we can to make things better. As I've said before, language matters. So I think we need to look carefully at the language that we're using, at uh, symbolism that we're using, things that are hurtful to other people and do what we can to make things better. And, and how might that play out in terms of a legislative sense? Give me some specifics. Well, uh, just one that comes off the top of my head is the design of the, the state flag. Uh, that's been brought up, I think it was in the last session, um, that uh, uh, about what the, the fourth star represents uh, at the, the star that is above the name of the state, uh, mm -hmm. uh, that that's a, a tribute to the Confederacy. Um, and some people have expressed concerns about uh, whether that sends the appropriate message in, in 2020. Um, to, and uh, so that, that would be one example. I think we need to, to look and see whether something is actually a tribute or whether it's just recognizing that this happened in our history. You know, we can't deny these awful things that happened in the history of our nation and of our state. And we need to look carefully and see, is this something that's just recognizing that this happened or is this something actually celebrating or saying that this was a, this was not a negative thing in our nation. If we need to change what the language is for those symbols, let's, let's look at that and have that conversation. If we're just saying we're recognizing that these awful things happened, then we need to look at that and see how we can best frame that language. And, and as far as the star on the flag, how do you evaluate that as to what, which category that falls into? I think that the most recent proposal that I saw, and I forgot who that was, was that Representative Love, do you remember? I don't remember. I don't remember. The, the most recent proposal I saw of changing, um, saying what that stands for, looked to me to be um, a reasonable proposal and just saying we're not changing the flag itself. We're just changing how we teach our children and how we teach our people what this represented to be sure that we are explaining that this was a terrible time. This is something that um, we all need to remember so that we know that nothing of this nature ever happens again. Uh, I, I'm trying to think if that was representative love. I'd have to uh, have my notes in front of me. Are you talking about the proposal? The proposal to go, it would, 
it would not change the flag itself, but it would just change how we present what that what those flags represent. And, and is that the one that would have made the star representative of the in, indigenous people? I believe that is correct, but I think it also had some language in it that recognized all of the um, various flags that have flown over the state of Arkansas. I'd have to go back and research that, but as I'm remembering uh, his proposal, it, it looked reasonable to me. It was not actually changing the flag itself. It was just changing how we teach our children about it. Okay. Um, anything else um, uh, with regard to, to some of the some of the uh, protests and all that uh, that that you've heard that that you feel like the the state uh, legislature would need to address to try to put Arkansas in a in a good place uh, when it comes to race relations. Well, I'm uh, I've lived for quite a while, so I remember back when actually when we were in the news in Little Rock, hmm. with the National Guard being called in, and one of my most vivid memories as a child was watching my mother cry. And my mother said, this is shameful. This is how Arkansas is going to be remembered for a long, long time. And my mother was right. My mother was a teacher, um, a very wise person. And I think that Arkansas does have a lot to overcome nationally because people still remember that. That was, that was a very shameful time. So I think whatever we can do to make things better, going forward uh, we need to have those conversations have you had a chance to review the um uh the hate crimes proposal that that um um senator hendren and representative flowers have been uh, have been talking about have you had a chance to review that and have you made it i have i looked at it but then i was in little rock um two days this week just got back last night there are about 10 other proposals floating around out there oh yeah, so I'm going to wait until I see what's actually brought forward because I don't think it's going to be the one that I have seen. The one that Hendren had is uh, modeled after Utah. Some of the other proposals that I've seen are modeled after Texas and some other states or a conglomeration of those. So I think as we get closer to the session starting, we're going to see several proposals I want to look at all of them and see which one is going to be the winner uh, that's brought forward to the legislature. We may have more than one brought forward. Okay. Uh, but the, the general concept of a of a, a bill that would enhance penalties for crimes committed for uh, uh, out of racial hatred or 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 some sort of discriminatory point of view, uh, that concept is is you're you're okay with that concept of having a hate crimes bill of some sort. We do have enhanced penalties for several things. We have enhanced penalties for crimes committed on children and in the presence of children. We have enhanced penalties for crimes committed against the elderly. So in that way, this would not be that different uh, of a concept. I think that we do need to be careful and be sure that we're going on data and not emotion in this instance and be sure that this would not be harmful to um, groups of people like uh, pastors maybe that were um, preaching. 
I know that the, the bill that Senator Hendren had looked to me that it would not be harmful to those groups, but there were concerns brought forward um, by some religious groups worried that this would be harmful to them. Um, it does concern me that Arkansas is one of only three states that does not have any kind of a hate crimes bill. So I would just have to look at it and see exactly what's said in it, be sure that there were no unintended consequences and that it's doing what we want it to do in substance and not just in, in, in name. The, um, uh, for years now, uh, the people of Arkansas have been dealing with this question of the hog farm over around the Buffalo National River. Uh, the, the state ended up uh, uh, compensating the, the property owners of that uh, to, to essentially get rid of that, that immediate problem. But then there was the proposal to uh, have a permanent moratorium on large or mid-sized hog farm operations within the watershed of the Buffalo National River. Um, that's not gone anywhere within the legislature. Uh, it seems like it's, it's kind of run up against, uh, um, uh, uh, I guess, rocky uh, waters. Um, and and <laughs> give me a sense of, of how you um, think that the state ought to move forward on that issue. Okay. Well, the original hog farm, the one that you mentioned that we uh, compensated the owners, happened before I came into the legislature. That was actually under Governor Beebe. And um, so in hindsight, that may not have been the best decision. Um, I think we do need to look carefully again and be sure we're going on data and facts and not emotion, because this is a very emotional issue for a lot of people because you're coming up against um, environmental issues and property issues. So there's a, again, there's a balance there. I haven't seen anything come before the legislature uh, regarding what you're saying. That may be something that people are working on for next term, but I haven't seen anything written out as a proposal to laws or a change in legislation. You may be aware of something that I don't know about. Uh, that would probably be coming before, be coming before the uh, Agri Committee, but I don't think that they have had any meetings regarding it since the um, close down of the hog farm that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. well, can you give me a sense of, uh, do, do you feel like um, anything that comes close to even looking like a moratorium um, should be considered? Uh, obviously, in the state of Arkansas, there are those issues of, of property rights versus, um, you know, protecting watershed, especially a watershed of, of, you know, we all know the Buffalo National River is kind of treated as above, uh, you know, most waterways in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, in, a, in a general sense, do you think any, any sort of moratorium or limitation um, uh, ought to be considered for the, that specifically for the Buffalo? I would sure look at the data on it. If we have something that uh, is proving that there's detriment to the Buffalo, of course, we need to preserve it. But again, I would want to go on data and science and not just emotion here and uh, be sure that we're not harming um, farmers and people who's, we could say the Buffalo, but a lot of tributaries go into that. And we don't want to get into a situation where we're closing down a, a very small family farm that might just have a, 
you know, a few animals on it because they feed into the buffalo eventually. So we would have to look at all of the data and almost go on a case-by-case -case basis on that. And what did you feel like the data showed about CNH hog farms, the, the large, large scale operation that was up there? You know, I went to hearings on that for about what, two days, two or three days. We never saw any hard data proving that uh, there was harm brought from the hog farm. And one thing that concerned me a lot was that we, we did see, maybe not at those hearings, but at others, that there was a lot of uh, harm being brought to the buffalo by feral hogs. Mm. And that concerned me a lot. And I don't know if you've been reading a lot about that, but that's been a major issue in the state of Arkansas. And I think we are finally getting a grip on that. We've gotten a lot of federal funds to help us get control of that feral hog population, but they were tearing it up, not just the buffalo, but everywhere. And even around here in District 80, we're having a lot of harm from feral hogs. And uh, when I mentioned that, um, some people just thought that I was throwing up a, a red flag or, you know, red herring, but it really was a major problem. And uh, so, I'm glad that we're getting that under control, although that's certainly not easy. Yeah, I, I think, you know, separately, feral, the feral hog problem is a big problem. Um, mm -hmm. I can't, can't keep up with uh, their capacity to, to uh, grow their, I don't know if they're called herds or whatever they are, but uh, there's a lot of them out there. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Rusty, did you have something? That... I, I was gonna, I was gonna uh, move on to a different topic. I was gonna ask about, um, highways and roads, uh, specifically about issue one um, and uh, what your thoughts are on issue one and what your thoughts are in general on how uh, Arkansas ought to be funding um, highways and roads. Okay, I'm a supporter of issue one. Uh, I get more calls and emails and text about highways than anything, highways, ro county roads, city roads, People don't know, they just know it's a road and there are ruts in it and it's tearing up my car. I get more calls about that than probably any other issue that uh, I deal with as a legislator. So we've been dealing with highways ever since I've been in the legislature and as I look back way before I got there. And I think that this may be is a way that we can finally get this resolved and get some, um, some help not only for our, our major highways, but for our counties and cities as well, because some of the money will be coming to them. So I'm gonna vote for it. I'm gonna encourage my people to vote for it. Nobody likes raising taxes, but this is a continuation of a tax that we already have. And uh, I think it's a, it's a good solution. Okay, all right. And, uh, and how about issue two, the uh, change in, in uh, term limits restrictions? Uh, do you, have a, do you have an opinion about issue two and, and whether it should pass? You know, I don't, I don't feel real strongly about that. Um, Arkansas is one of only 15 states that even have any kind of term limits. But I, I don't mind having some term limits. I think what we have now with the 16 years is pretty reasonable. But the 12 years and having the caveat that people can sit out for four years and then come back. I don't think many people will do that, but I think it's probably good to have that option available. So I am not taking a hard stand on that one way or the other. Um, I, 
I think it's fine if it passes. It might put the issue to rest as far as having this come up every two years on our ballot or come up for big public discussion every two years. In that way, that would be good. Um, but I don't think our current 16 years are bad either. We have very, very few people who ever stay 16 years. Yeah. And then finally, issue three, the change in, in uh, the way citizen-led initiatives can get on the ballot. It's been criticized by some as, uh, as a measure that will make it, uh, it's difficult to get them on now. Uh, it's been criticized by some as, as, as uh, that'll make it even harder for a citizen-led mm -hmm. initiative to make the ballot. So what's your theory, what's your thinking on issue three? I can see why they feel that way, because it will make it harder. Uh, but it also will make it harder for outside groups from out of state to come in and get something in the Arkansas Constitution like they have done and tried to do with the casino issues. Uh, in that way, I think it's good to keep some of these out of state groups from coming in and trying to change our Arkansas state constitution. But in the way that you mentioned as making it harder for uh, people to gather ballots, that they have to go out into more counties than they're doing right now. And they don't have the, uh, the period where they can cure the ballots and then come back and get more signatures if they don't have, not cure the ballot, excuse me. Signatures. Um, cure, cure the signatures period and then come back if they don't have enough signatures and go out and get more. And that way I can see why some of the groups would oppose it. Um, so I think it's a mixed bag. Um, I know, you know, in this election cycle with COVID and, and all of its challenges, uh, uh, it's been difficult for uh, candidates to kind of get out there and, mm -hmm. and uh, for people to see, you know, the, the different candidates who are, com I guess, competing for the, for the job. Um, uh, do you have any kind of sense of specifically issues that uh, there is a Democrat running in this race? Uh, you know, any issues that are particularly going to be, uh, you know, raised over the next month or that are, have already been raised that are, uh, are points of contention, I guess, that, that voters are going to have to consider uh, before they go in and, and uh, pick, pick who they want to support? As I talk to people in District 80, and of course, as you've said, right now, all the events are canceled. We're not having any debates or anything like that. People are mostly concerned about the economy. They are concerned about uh, their children and schools and their children and not being able to get the socialization that they're used to having. The people in my district are not as concerned about some of the social issues that you've mentioned as they are about things that really affect them in their pocketbook and in their home. And they're also concerned about road issues. Um, they're just, there's a lot of uncertainty, more than I've ever seen about what the future is gonna look like. When are we gonna get back to normal? Uh, when are we gonna be able to, uh, to have big gatherings again and do things like we used to do? Okay. Well, is there anything that we have not asked you about that you wanted to make sure that uh, you had an opportunity to express uh, during this interview? Well, I thank you for giving me this opportunity. I would love to have your endorsement again. I believe if you will ask people on both sides of the aisle in Little Rock, they will tell you that I have the reputation as being one of the most hardworking uh, legislators, that I come to committees ready to um, discuss, ready to listen, uh, prepared, 
that uh, I don't usually go off on tangents, that uh, I'm balanced, that I represent my people with dignity. I've worked very hard with my constituents when they contact me to get an answer to them, to get them hooked up with the right agency, the right people, so that they can get an answer to their issue. Uh, often it is, it is not a state issue, often it's something local or something county, but I still try to get the correct information to them so that they can get what they need. Um, I am in the leadership team. I think it would be a shame to lose someone who has spent the time and the, put in the work to get to the position that I'm in, that I can have influence not only in my district, but throughout the state. So I hope I'll have your endorsement again. I had it last time and we had a, uh, three of us in the race that time, uh, three parties. We had Republican, Democrat, and Libertarian in that race, and I still earned your endorsement. So I hope to have that again, because I really look forward to working for the people of District 80 for another term. Well, we appreciate your time. Rusty, did you have anything else? No, just to, just to let you know uh, that I appreciate your time. Thank you for spending some, some uh, I know you're busy, so thank you for spending some time with us today. Well, it was a pleasure. I enjoyed talking to you. It's nice to be able to see your faces <laughs> and not just hear your voices on the phone, as I believe we did last time, because I was working in Little Rock when you were doing your, your forum. So I appreciate this opportunity, and I hope you have a wonderful day and get out to enjoy some of this good weather we're having. Same to you, man. You, you too. Take care. Yeah. Thank you.